0: If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed the views and
1: opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually they do not
2: necessarily reflect an official policy or position the 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity agency or department
1: this week of the 10 eight podcast give me a backup with Keith Thornton we don't have earthquakes and big natural disasters, we have a crime problem here. This is just a new breed of, of, of thugs and criminals that are out there. They're, they're caught up in the streets now and everything has changed in the last five years. But I'm a black man. I've grown up in the hood. I've seen the shootings and I've experienced different things right outside my doorstep. Here in Chicago, it's not like that. Everyone's tied up by our mayor. This is not a job or a career. This is something that you have a calling for. If you don't like us, that's fine. And don't call us.
0: Good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 108 Podcast. I am your host, 108, and today's episode, my guest is one Mr. Keith Thornton from Chicago, Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith has an amazing story to tell, and I cannot wait to share his story and his purpose with my audience today. Keith is every bit amazing, as you're about to hear in just a brief moment as I play. A clip for you but first I want to give you a little bit of backstory so now for everyone who may not know you may not know his name Keith Thornton but you will by the end of this episode but you may know his story this past summer in August in Chicago Chicago suffered a great tragedy when the young police officer Ella French was killed in the line of duty now Keith Thornton was that strong and heroic voice on the other side of the microphone. Now, I know we get into a big debate between police and dispatch and and call takers and firefighters and who's a first responder and who's not. And, you know, it's actually a big debate throughout the country on whether or not dispatching and call taking qualifies as a first responder position. And I've always maintained that yes it very much is first off literally aside from proactive activity the dispatcher is the first person to speak to anybody in need of first responder services so literally the definition of first is right there now i will tell you and i've spoke to many dispatchers in between and now for the past six months i have been training As both a dispatcher and a call taker as I've transitioned from the road to the other side of the mic to be one of the bunker bitches, so to speak. I haven't earned that title yet, but... I will tell you that when that phone rings, there is a shock of anxiety because you don't know what's on the other side of that phone. Now don't get me wrong. There's plenty of nonsense that comes through those phones and sometimes it gets filtered all the way down to the road and other first responders have to deal with that. But a lot gets filtered through by the dispatchers. But like I said, you don't know what's coming through the phone. When you answer, It just dings in your ear or it rings in the room and you answer. My first 911 call in training was a man with a gun in his mouth. And I've been in similar situations on duty, on the road. But it's different. You have, from the time that call comes in, to the time the units get on scene, to make sure tragedy doesn't happen. And there is a helpless feeling, because you're, you're tied to a console. So, by that alone, dispatchers are first responders, and we'll talk about dispatcher mental health in a future episode. I don't want to get too tied up on that, but... What Keith did on this fateful night in August, he dealt with a scenario that nobody in public safety ever wants to deal with. Two harrowing words, Officer Down. And what Keith did upon hearing Officer Down was nothing short heroic. Now, if you are not familiar with the story of Ella French, I suggest you take a look into that story. I'm only going to touch on it a little bit here today, but I recommend you do. And in just a few moments, we're going to play some of the radio traffic from this incident. And I'll attach a trigger warning to that in just a moment. But also, next to Ella French was one Carlos Yanez who was also shot in this incident. And I will put money on the fact that because of Keith's intelligence and his strength and his heroic nature, that is one of the main reasons that Carlos Inez is here today, that he survived his injuries. That's not to discredit any uh, religious belief or... Medical attention he received. I'm just saying that Keith sprung into action because that was his job, that was his duty, and that's what he was sworn to do. Now, while this evening in August is very important because that's how I know who Keith Thornton is, I didn't want to focus too much on that for our conversation. So we do talk about it, and we're going to listen to some of that dispatch in just a second, but Keith is an amazing person. Not only is he a terrific dispatcher, he also has history as a police officer. And before that, he worked in fire and EMS, mostly for the city of Chicago, but he also did a tour with LAPD. So we're going to talk to on all this, and you are going to see just how amazing Keith is. Now, due to some technical difficulties that I had the day of the recording that we did, uh, there was a chunk of the conversation that did not get recorded. So at the end of our conversation, when when we come back from the music like usual, I will kind of fill in some of the things um, that I want to get across about Keith that unfortunately got cut out. So now an amazing conversation awaits you. But before that, I'm going to play a couple minutes of the chilling radio traffic from that fateful night in August. Now, I said there would be a tr- trigger warning. It is hard to listen to. But I encourage you to listen to it. It is just just a prime example of the heroism from Keith and the Chicago police officers rushing to save someone they loved and cared about, Miss Ella French and Mr. Carlos Yanez. So on the other side of that, though, we have our amazing conversation with Keith Thornton. Stay tuned.
2: 6-3 and bail! 6-3 and bail. Give me some gun 6-3 and bail. Keep the air clear. Who is this and what you got? <laughs> Blue Cubs jersey. Alright, Blue Cubs jersey, Mel Black. He's running. 6-3 and bail. Seventy out, seven. I've I got the air. Mel Black, the Blue Cubs jersey. What you want it for? 6-3 and bail. Mel Black, Blue, what you got? Whoa. Officer down. I got an officer down, 10 1, 10 1, 6 3 in bail. Officer down, officer down, shot, fight at the police. Officer down, male black, a blue cub jersey, he's shot at the police. 6 3 in bail, give me some units. 7 1 3. Stay off my air, stay off my air. Everybody stay off the air. I got an officer down, 6 3 and bail, start rolling. I got an officer down, 6 3 in bail. Officer shot, officer shot, officer down, 6 3 in bail, give me some units. I want a perimeter set up at the location looking for a male black and a blue cuff shirt. A blue cuff shirt with a male black. Perimeter set up, two blocks, east, north, and... black. Okay, I got it. All black. Where is this? Give me two ambulances, two ambulances, two male, two officers down, two officers down. Seven, six, three, seven, Adam. Careful, we got them coming. Six, one, boy. Get those officers right, the corner. Six, three, and Bell. I want a perimeter set up, three blocks, north, south, east, west of that location. I got a male black in a blue shirt. Male black in a blue shirt. Cubs jersey. Officers down. over there. We got yeah. them coming. Come at We got them coming, baby. We got them coming. Stay off the air. I want people looking, guys. Last scene. Stop out for the location. Got a male black in a blue jersey. 61. You're on the scene. I want a helicopter. Ro- got a 63. 63. 29. Both. Step 4 Step 4 We got ch1. We rolling, guys. Um, uh, I think I better hit the way Um, there's a go Female, with the emergency, go in it. Slow it down. Slow it down. We got two in custody. Stop. 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 Stop the car in there, guys. Stop the car. The stop the car. Guys, listen. we got two officers down. We need a perimeter, guys. Big 3 we got two in custody right now. Two in custody. I need a perimeter, guys. Start a route to the hospital. Give me the one We need a perimeter to the We need a to the take one the building. 10-4. We're going to USC Hospital. USC Hospital. Set up the perimeter to USC Hospital, guys. Give me a route. We're going to U.S. Take it all the way east one at 6310-463. We're gonna take it eastbound. Are we taking both officers, guys? You know, we're transporting both officers to U.S.C. Hospital. I want all of 63 going eastbound, Stop All traffic eastbound, 63, stop. I got two officers down. We're taking the hospital.
1: Give me a perimeter and stop all of those streets. Yeah. And you say, Shaw City? Shash City, shot City, I'm coming home again. Do you think about me now and then? Yeah, do you think about me now and
0: then? Cause I'm coming home again. was three years old and what i love most she
2: had so much soul she said excuse me little homie i know you don't know me but my name is wendy Ann. i like to blow trees and from that point i never blow her off come from out of town i like to show her off they like to act tough she like to tone them off and make them straighten up their hat because she know knows all right all right
0: like welcome to the show i am here with keith thornton keith how are you today i'm doing well how are you I'm doing well. My body is sore. You know, I just started picking up, uh, CrossFit. I just completed day two of it yesterday and, uh, my body's sore. And, uh, right before we pressed record, I just came in from like a two mile walk. So, I mean, I'm trying I, I, my body, I'm not like, uh, Mr. Olympia or anything like that, but I was in decent shape and then kind of fell off the wagon. So I'm trying to get back to it. And it's, it's been a process.
1: I like it though. You're getting the work in and that's what it's about.
0: It is. Absolutely. So how's um how's the weather up there in Chicagoland? Oh, the weather here. It's actually not too bad. I mean, for Chicago
1: and it's not too bad. Uh, it's about a high of 42 right now, but um, we've That's been pretty bad. fortunate. We got some snow and some, some different things going on, but it can be a lot worse
0: absolutely for sure i people were sending i got a buddy of mine who is about 20 minutes out of chicago in indiana and last week he was sending me pictures of the snowstorm you guys were getting and it was just i'm i'm originally from new jersey so to see snow is not a big deal but i've been in florida now for over 12 years i think so i want nothing to do with it it's nice to look at From from the warmth here in Florida, so I
1: feel you. Well, good. Have you been in
0: Chicago your whole life?
1: Yeah, I was born and raised um, uh, out here since
0: 1988.
1: Okay, and uh, grew up on the west side of Chicago in the Austin community, and I currently live in the northwest side of Chicago now in Portage Park.
0: Nice, nice. So, um, for everyone that is unfamiliar with you, let's go ahead and before we get too deep into our conversation today, um, go ahead and just introduce yourself. Kind of tell us who you are, what your experiences are, and we'll kind of roll from there.
1: Yeah, so my name is Keith Thornton. I'm from the city of Chicago, as stated. Um, I have loved my city from the very minute. This is a wonderful city. I love it. Um, We don't have earthquakes and big natural disasters. We have a crime problem here. And uh, ever since I was pretty much growing up, I've always been into public safety. I've um, pretty much worked every form of public safety that there is. I've started as a volunteer firefighter, and that was for a multitude of years i worked on an ambulance for a multitude of years as an emergency medical technician. I've been a police officer uh, as a relocated out to Los Angeles for a short period of time um, for several years, and I was an LAPD police officer. Um, I've also taught high school for a few years here in Chicago, and I've ended it out um, at this time. Uh, Most recently, for the last four years, I've been working in emergency management as a 911 police dispatcher. So I've covered all bases in terms of public safety and safety. that's where I'm at at this moment.
0: That's amazing. That's it's great that you've seen every single angle of public safety, and uh, so many people haven't. You know, even myself, I've been a police officer for six and a half years, uh, currently now sitting on the other side of the radio. But that's it. That's that's the that's it. That's all I know. And a lot of people are the same way. And I know a couple people that have done multiple careers like yourself. But that's great because you now see the different realms of it and it's cool that you you said you served um on the road in lapd so you really not not only have you seen the other side of it you've seen different aspects of it from different communities as well absolutely
1: i worked in south stature when i was an lapd police officer for a couple of years and then i got uh, booted out um, once you promote they call it booted out and i went up north which was uh, up in a valley area um an area where people pretty much would think, oh, this is a nice area. But as, you know, in South Sincture there was a little bit more reactive uh, policing out there because it's just off the chain. All you can do is react and just go with the calls. Whereas a little bit slower up north, it was more um, flexibility and doing more proactive work because the radio's not blowing up, mm-hmm. but there was equally just as much going on there, but you guess kind of had to go out there as an officer and kind of hunt it down. So um, I was able to bring some of those qualities back here to Chicago, even just being a dispatcher as a police officer. So when my officers do get into situations, um, it just kind of just pops right into the back of your head. It's in your blood, you know, of of, of doing different things and saying different things that kind of came from my history. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it's, it's definitely benefited me. And it's a wonderful thing when you can be well-rounded, you know, and, and stay within your career field and just, you know, just keep making yourself better because you'll never Absolutely. be perfect, but you can make yourself better.
0: Absolutely. I think that's such an important thing. I think, uh, you know, the, the age old saying is complacency kills. It kills in multiple ways. Obviously, you know, if you get lax on the road or in the job, then it's going to, you know, you're going to get hurt because you're going to miss something. But also even if you just get stagnant, and you don't train, you don't try to better yourself, you're going to you're going to get burnt out doing the same old same old day in and day out. Um and it also it just makes you more well-rounded. I've always tried to maintain a well-rounded uh way of doing it. I liked how you said that when you went from South Central up to up to the Valley, you know, the game is still there. You know, people are still there committing crimes. It's just, you know, you kind of have to look a little harder. When I started policing i was in very similar circumstances i was in kind of the rougher side of town where the shootings are the stolen vehicles the gangs things like that and it was good for the time i was there but then i you know i moved uh to the other side of the city where it was nicer so to speak uh less of the violent crimes but there were still you know drug problems and people getting burglarized and things like that and it required you to look a lot more for it and once you kind of peek a little bit closer The same problems are there. You just, you know, it's kind of hidden a little bit better. But yeah, I once had a ride along where they were like, well, you know, what's the difference between uh, patrolling in a nice neighborhood versus a, you know, a a more downtrodden neighborhood? I was like, nothing. The crime is still there. There are still criminals here. You just may have to look for it a little bit better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You know, the crime doesn't uh, manifest literally right in front of you sometimes. I mean, sometimes it does, but sometimes it's uh, more of a well-kept secret. So... I don't know that I think that's very interesting that you spent the time in Los Angeles and got that. But what I'm interested in is your time in Chicago. Obviously this is a place, this is a city that you born and raised, you know, inside and out, and now you've served it in multiple capacities. And, you know, you said that I, I, absolutely amazing when you said about you don't have a national natural disaster problem you have a crime problem what has that been like growing up in chicago and witnessing it firsthand because everyone who doesn't live there you know we see it through the news we see it through fox we see it through cnn just the onslaught of just crime and murders and so on and so forth what has that been like growing up in that environment and now continuing to you know be an adult in that environment
1: well let me just start off by saying chicago is the best city. I I absolutely love Chicago. So many people visit here, tourists, and it's just a phenomenal city. It's beautiful. We have a wonderful skyline and we have great people here. No matter what part of the town you're on, north side, south side, west side, or downtown, there's beautiful people. You can walk right down the street and just spark out a conversation with talking. You know, since I, I grew up here, like I said, the late eighties and eighty eight, um, you know, and through the nineties and early two thousands, you know, we could walk to school and go to the parks and different things like that. There was crime here, of course, but these are during the times when LA was off the mats, Compton was off the charts, and you were hearing those and seeing those in movies and the news and the media and all of that, you know. New York has always been up there. But You know, there's a new generation now of of youngsters. These are teenagers, not even teenagers, preteens. We're talking about 11 year olds up until the age of 16, 17, you know? It's just a different time period of whatever they're going through or learning or uh, the people who are mentoring them, if that's what you want to call it. um, They're they're caught up in the streets now, and everything has changed in the last five years right here Mm -hmm. within Chicago. I mean, there's always been crime like everywhere, but it's definitely different now just in the last five years. You know, there's carjackings. Um, to the point where they're pulling out older people, females, kids in the backseat, babies, throwing them out on the side of the roads. They take the car. They've got AK 47s. These are not just regular pistols or whatever. These they sawed off shotguns. It's just crazy. It's out of control. It's like Grand Theft Auto. This has all been starting, you know, just pre-COVID, you know. So this is mm-hmm. this hasn't been going on for a long time within Chicago. This is just a new breed of 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 thugs and criminals that are out there. And um, it's never really happened during my time while I was, you know, growing up. So this is new to everyone, you know, but what has to happen here in Chicago is there needs to be a revamping with, you know, the the structure of the politicians that are leading the city or supposedly leading the city with quotations around that. But Mm -hmm. uh, they need to allow the police to do their job. They need to allow police officers to do their job. They need to support the police officers better. And I mean, it goes down the line of all first responders. You know, uh, here we have a problem with, with our elected officials, you know, the police is not supported, the firemen are not supported, the paramedics are not supported, the dispatchers are not supported, the call takers aren't supported, no one's supported on our end, you know, and so that's kind of why I'm doing my thing now and speaking out and mm-hmm. uh, trying to make things better here in Chicago, because if we had a better uh, structure of leadership, you know, things could be a lot better, you know, we need a lot of programs and different things out here to help our children um, and our adults but, you know, uh, as you know, way in Florida as well, there's a mental health crisis going on, you know, yeah. um, so many different things going on. But we here in Chicago need help political wise because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous with the individuals who are managing the city.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know if you're familiar with Barstool Sports, but they do um, like weekly or daily pizza reviews where the, the founder of Barstool Sports, he goes around to different pizza shops and he eats pizza and he reviews it. It's very like. During COVID, I found it during COVID when everyone was locked down. And I was like, this is like the mindless entertainment that I need to get away from the craziness that's going on. So he was actually in Chicago, somewhere downtown, doing a pizza review. And while he's doing the pizza review, someone gets carjacked right beside him. It was mm-hmm. absolutely insane. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's absolutely insane. So, you know, to uh, I've talked to a couple of people from L.A. that where they say it's the wild, wild west, literally going down the freeway and seeing someone walk pushing a stolen vehicle with a gun just sticking out of their waistband like it's nothing and that the police are afraid to not afraid but they don't want to interact with that that person because it may lead to a shooting it may lead to something violent where they're going to get you know vilified and you know for what you know that's kind of what the the mentality is and from what it's kind of sounding to what you said is that it's sort of like that in Chicago as well
1: Well, the difference between Los Angeles and Chicago, I can tell you right now, is uh, the police officers are allowed to do their job for the most part. You know, they got Mm -hmm. some issues as well. And you also have uh, a big issue now going on with L.A. It's changed since I've gone. I left in 2018. I I hear from all, all the time a lot of people I worked alongside. They're saying, you know, Keith, great that you got out of here, because guess what? Now I'm getting out and 10 other officers are leaving as well. So Mm -hmm. it's a problem with big city, large cities that are run by just um, people who don't back them. You know, you have bosses uh, that 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 are are, are severely to the left and extremists to the left. And, you know, there we need people in office who are going to see both sides of it. You know, that's one thing I can credit myself with. Uh, is I've seen both sides of it. I'm a black man. I've grown up in the hood, is what people call it. Um, I've seen the shootings and I've experienced different things right outside of my doorstep. Yeah. But I, I was very fortunate to have two loving parents, a, a wonderful support system of family, um, a high faith. And so I looked past that and I, I went on and I said, that, well, you know, I've been targeted by police as well, simply because of my uh, skin color and, and me being a male. But I was able to say, I'm going to become one of them and see what the issues are. And that's what I was Mm. able to do. Um, And so I see all sides of it. I see great officers. I see bad officers, you know, you know, uh, we have those issues and and we do need reforming, but the majority of officers out there that we are dispatching that we're, you know, have responding to our our emergencies. They're great people, but they're just regular people just like us. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they need backing. No one wants to go to a job where, the manager is just, you know, all on top of you, you know, crazy style. No one, no one likes that. So uh, we got to have more respect for our first responders and, and it's zero respect here in terms of a lot that's going on here in Chicago. And that's what we have to change.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm big into mental health and you talk about going to a job where the people now, Policing has always had the notion of being a thankless pr- profession. That's one thing I don't, and I never needed thanks. I never needed, you know, that kind of notoriety. That's fine. But when you're faced with the exact opposite, it's one thing to have no thanks, but when people are flat out to your facing, we don't support you, especially when it's your elected officials, like the people that sign your paychecks, basically, I mean, that does a, big number on your mental health, on your, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I risking myself, my life, my livelihood for this? And, you yeah. know, that ultimately was what my decision was, was like, all right, you know, I really appreciate what is being done on the street, what it, what law enforcement is, but it's not for me anymore. Right. You know, and it, it's it's frustrating because it is a profession. It is a, a line of work, a calling that I believe so near and dear to my heart. My dad was a police officer. I've got relatives that are in first responders, you know, and of course all, all my best friends are too, but it comes to a point where it's like, all right. And I, I came from a city and a community that supported the police, but it just, when you see the grand scheme, it's just like, all right, I don't know if this is for me anymore. And that's, that's really scary when the police are stepping aside and being like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's because of that political or organizational betrayal.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And I think the problem is that the police were never designed to be a political pawn, right? Like we're supposed to be so impartial to everything. Like literally all that is supposed to be important is the law and the adherence to it. Not, you know, whatever the we've been made political scapegoats so many times, I think probably since the existence, you know, since policing was invented, but now it's just become so so much more so, you know, and right. obviously when you, when you kind of couple it with the incidents in Ferguson, in Minneapolis and in all the kind of high profile cases that came out over the last couple of years, that's all that was. We were, we were political pawns to try to get an agenda across. And it's, you know, it's, it's, you can see through plain statistics that, the, the detriment that is coming to our communities and our society from there with murder right. rates going up, rapes, robberies, all those, you know, you follow, you follow the paper trail. That's where the police were defunded. Exactly. Since you've been on the other side of the radio, what have you seen your officers having trouble with? Is it, I mean, you said that the police aren't necessarily afraid to do their job, so to speak. Is that, you know, that, that was the difference between there and L.A.?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, and I I should put this towards the beginning, but anything that I'm saying has just, it's all my words, has nothing Mm. to do with the city of Chicago officially and nothing to do with my job title position or anything, you know, as a dispatcher here. So this is only Keith Thornton speaking. Um, But what I said about LA was, you know, when I was there, you had, you know, great uh, chief of police um, and, and going downward who actually allowed the police to do their job. They understood that, you went through an academy uh, that was certified through the state and you had to be certified as a law enforcement officer. And so you know your job. If you go out there and do something wrong, you'll be held accountable, you know. So period. That's that's it. So here in Chicago, it's not like that. You know, you, you everyone's tied up, including the chief of police. His hands are tied by our mayor. Mm-hmm. He can't even do his job effectively, so it just goes down from there. It just goes way downhill from there. And, I mean, the police officers, you know, even down to foot pursuits now, you can't do anything nowadays. Mm -hmm. You you look at someone wrong on a traffic stop, you're suspended, and and it's crazy. So you do have officers out there. They don't want to do their job, kind of like what you said this is not a job or a career. This is something that you have a calling for. Mm-hmm. And uh, many officers now who have done this for years or even new to doing this, you know, they, they want to go out there and help and do things and, and, and try to bring their ideas to the table, which is why we recruited them in the first place. And we promote it for to, to get people to do that. But at the same time, we're we're going against them when they get out there and actually do work. So, you know, you have a bunch of officers now who don't uh, want to be proactive? They don't care. They want to come and get the check and go home. And can you blame mm-hmm. them? You know, you know, right. losing their livelihood and everything else. So uh, it's a big problem, and you know, it feeds over to the dispatcher because you hear it in them. They don't want to go to the calls. The dispatcher has a a job like the Tetris, uh, the game of Tetris. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming mm-hmm. down the screen, and you got to dispatch it out. Well, yeah. you don't have officers now, and 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 on top of that, you got a manpower problem now because a lot of oh, people sure. are leaving by the hundreds. They're leaving the department, so we we got some issues here.
0: One thing that I want to get across to everybody, and I'm sure, you know, most of my listenership is law enforcement, but I'm hoping that those that aren't in law enforcement, cops are human, right? We, we get that. They do a very superhuman type job. You know, they're running into these dangerous situations. They're helping people in their most uh, volatile crises, but they are human at the at the core of it. And not only that, but they have bad days. They screw up. They make mistakes. I think the problem is, is that that margin for error from the public eye is so small. Like Mm -hmm. if you're a, if you're a police officer and you have a bad day, you make a mistake. That could be your entire career. That could be your life. You know, you look at these kind of these cases and I'm, I don't want to speak on these, these kind of international cases because I, I, I don't have the legal prowess to really speak on them. I don't know all the ins and outs of the situation and and I'm not going to pretend I do, but you know, so many things have gotten blown so far out of proportion where, you know, we're burning cities over, over bat a single bad person, right? right? Whether it's a mistake, whether it's an intentional act of, of, of evil or badness, whatever it might be, we're burning cities down for one bad person. And we're saying defund the police. Whereas, you know, you would never, say, you know, if a doctor screws up in surgery and kills somebody, which it happens, you're not saying, well, defund hospitals, you know, and that's right. kind of been the that argument that's kind of been going on this whole time is like, you know, people screw up, people make life or death decisions that that hurt people all the time. Um, but the police for some reason are not given that same benefit of the doubt. And it's really sad. It it absolutely is.
1: Well, you know, the funny thing is, you know, uh there's a Starbucks here. It's in downtown Chicago. They they call consistently for the police to come and pull out the the vagrants as they call them the homeless person who's mm-hmm. sleeping in their vestibule. Um, there's a disturbance at the counter and someone doesn't want to pay and this was wrong. So they consistently call 911 for these things and they want the police there as soon as possible. They're yeah. riled up about it. They're upset. Their business is you know getting targeted. Whatever, right? And that's mm-hmm. okay. That's what people are supposed to call by and. What does the police do? They go because that's their job. Yes. And then you get there and you look at the Starbucks workers and they have on their, their little badges and their little uh pins and then you know uh embroidered um vests and it says A All mm-hmm. cops are bad, you know. That's very, very interesting. You know, the hypocrisy is so big with people these days. You here you are, you're saying all cops are bad, you're you're anti-police, you wanted to fund them, you know, you're you're big bag of mantra on your personal life, but at the same time. When all hell goes sideways for you, you're calling the police because you need them to save your day. Yeah. You know, and I got a problem with that. Many people have a problem with that because it's wrong. If
0: you don't like us, that's fine. Then don't call us. Right. It, it, absolutely. And Sure. And I've gone to, uh, I've responded to calls where people did not like me, you know, and um, I've had friends that flat out said, you know, I like you as a person, but I don't like your profession, blah, 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 blah okay, that's fine. But in your time of need, don't call. I mean, it's that simple. And, and part of my thing, you know, when people, when, when kids I grew up with, you know, we're now adults and they're saying these things to me, I'm like, you've known me since we were in grade school, since kindergarten, you know, exactly who I am as a person, but you're saying that I'm a racist just because, or, you know, that I'm a bad person, I'm corrupt, whatever, because of the career that I chose. And I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. Like why? Why would you, and it it goes to that same level of ignorance and prejudice that the police officers are being accused of. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to say that a whole group of people are bad because of one aspect of their lives. I'm not sure about how it is up in Chicago or Illinois or anywhere, but down here in Florida, I know that cops are losing their job. For speaking out about political issues, you know, they'll that the, the wonderfulness of the social media world and the first amendment kind of doesn't apply to first responders. Right. So I know like back during the, all the defund uh, protests and everything, I was lucky in my agency. We didn't deal with the riots. We actually did have peaceful protests and it actually worked out. Okay. Um, but there were many times you know when they were taking that knee they were like take a knee with us and i was like i can't my profession my my career says that i will remain politically impartial like that's just how it is i'm sorry but that's just how it is and you know i got some flack for that bootlicker whatever but when it comes to off duty life um it it extends we still cannot post privately or, you know, discuss in any kind of, um, any kind of public arena, like, Hey, these are my concerns. This is how it is because, you know, it, it may negatively reflect on our profession or our departments and it's, it's tough. And I really appreciate you for kind of stepping out of one arena and into the other because you're tired of the police or first responders being muted and trying to, um, basically be a voice for the voiceless, but also being a representative of your community. You've, you've said you grew up in this area. You know what things are like and what they could be and how it is now. And you're like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to see this anymore. I know it can be better. And I really appreciate you taking that step for that.
1: Right. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, it's, it's you know, here in Chicago, it's the same way. You know, you've had police officers, not even police, but firefighters, <laughs> any first responder, you cannot speak out. Even city workers, you cannot do any of that. And me, you know, that 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 kind of goes into the effect of me, even though I'm not even a first responder. But but now it applies on a first responder because they don't want us to speak. OK, so mm-hmm. um, I don't care, though, you because, you know, here in Chicago, we're forced to live in the city of Chicago. Uh, We don't we can't live in the the suburbs or the outskirts or any of that. We have to live in the city. So, um, number one, I'm an American citizen of the United States of America, period. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. so I believe in amendment rights. Number two, I'm a resident of the city of Chicago. Off duty, I am a resident of the city of Chicago. So therefore, I could care less. Uh, what anyone states, I'm going to speak my mind because it's within the Constitution that I can do so. And I've done that. You know, I've done that um, for uh, everything that happened in the situation of the officer, Ella French, who was killed in the line of duty um, because I, I, I stated the blood is on the hands of the mayor. You know, I've continued to do that to stand up for the officers, the firemen, and paramedics who work here, you know, because someone has to do it. You know, this this job, it's, it's like I said, it's my calling. Um, I've Performed in each and every last one of these positions in public safety um, at at top of the line. You know, I do my job the right way with high standards for myself. So this does not define me. You know, uh, I'm not going to hold back because this is my position. So I've stood out there um, and I've gotten a lot of slack. I've been ridden up and everything, you know, by the mayor or whatever. And I don't care because um, I'd rather be the one that stands out there and take a stand and get burned for it. Uh, but mm-hmm. make a positive change for a massive amount of people uh, rather than sit back and allow my city to continue to burn the way that it's burning now. So, right. That's kind of where I stand now, what I've been doing, because, you know, officers, that's why they contact me. That's why they're texting me. That's why I go out and I respond to wherever they're at, houses in their personal life, even on or off duty, because they need me out there. They need many other people who are going to support them. And so um, if, if it's what I have to do, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's why I'm kind of venturing away from this, not away from it, but just in a different avenue where I can support mm-hmm. them on a more official uh, level. And, uh, you right. Know, and,
0: I- and probably a more effective level, too
1: exactly exactly mm-hmm. so you know we'll see we'll we'll see <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah i you know it's one of the things you said about you know being you know officers confiding with you in into you and saying hey i'm scared you know riding around here solo we are bred to not be scared right like you're a coward if you're scared and i think it's very important to embrace that because if you're if you're not embracing or accepting fear um you're gonna get right. yourself hurt because you're gonna that's like tombstone courage you're gonna go into a situation that you probably shouldn't be and um mm-hmm. as, as as has become you know kind of public knowledge regarding uh, my buddy that got killed in the line of duty he um he was riding solo and one of the questions i ask myself when i go over that situation is what if we didn't have to ride solo you know and yeah after, after his incident, we didn't ride solo for probably about a month. We were forced to ride with doubles. And, you know, it, it made um, response to calls a whole lot slower because it took two or maybe four officers to go to a single call, whereas it used to just be a single officer response. But my lieutenant said it best. He's like, we'll get there when we get there. Our safety is paramount to whatever, you know, measly thing. Not to trivialize people's problems, but, you know... Some some of them, some of the things are very measly, let's be honest um, We'll get there when we get there, no. our safety is first And, you know, unfortunately, right. after like the first month We did away with that, and we were back to riding solo And I was just like, I don't, I don't feel it, you know And I was, I was leaving my agency at the time anyway, but um, that's one of the things that always kind of got to me because I was, I grew up watching those police shows where everyone was riding two to a car, you know, cause most of them took place in NYPD or LAPD and that's just how it was. Um, but then when you kind of see all these agencies out there and probably a majority of agencies where the cops are riding solo and you think about like the super rural areas where backup is an hour plus away riding solo. And it's like, why why i i couldn't you know it's nice to be part of a small community and that's kind of what i grew up in but at the same time i don't i want my officer i want it to be as like you turn me upside down and officers fall out that's how close i want my backup to be it's just right there and i know i was talking to i have a buddy of mine who works for a sheriff's office out in nevada and I can't remember the actual measurement of his jurisdiction, but it's huge. It's one of the largest counties in in Nevada, and you know you're gonna be riding uh lights and sirens response for over an hour to get to wherever your call is like that's that's insane to me. I couldn't even fathom yeah. doing that um, yeah. Yeah. and from what I've heard now this is this is my my ignorance because I don't know about Chicago firsthand, but hopefully you can clear it up is that. You guys are always holding calls, right? Like you guys never have a clear screen. It's never like, oh, look, everyone's 10-8. There's nothing going on right now. Like that just doesn't exist in Chicago.
1: No, that's inaccurate. We do have moments throughout the city of Chicago where there will be time periods where, um, you know, it's it's nothing going on or no emergency calls coming in at least. And that, Mm -hmm. that goes for police or fire. Um, you know, and it bounces. You know, some of the busier areas that are um, considered, you know, pretty dangerous, you know, there are times where the board is clear. And there's other parts of the city when it's clear a uh, lot, lots of the time. You know, uh, Chicago is a big city and mm-hmm. uh, we have, man, we have uh, 22 different police stations uh, within the city. So it's pretty large. And there's some areas where nothing's going on. And then there's some areas where uh things are popping off. Now, on the flip side of that, most of the time, um it is popping, you know, it is it doesn't matter if it's a Saturday anymore or, you know, uh 4th of July, it is busy out there at all hours of most days and uh we we do get ourselves in um in a position where there's so many calls coming in and we have too few units to respond. So sure. uh, it's called a backlog out here where we can't, we have no one, you know, all, every officer is down on something, they're, they're taking care of something that can, you know, so we have no unit. So that does happen normal, mm-hmm. normally out here. It, it's pretty frequent throughout every day that happens every single day. but. They'll come out of the backlog and people will clear up or a new shift will start. But guess what? Once you get a good hour with with assigning those calls and then people start getting tied up again, boom, you're back in the backlog. Right, right. um, You know, yes, it's a common thing out here, but uh, it's not at every single second throughout the day. But it's definitely every hour, you know, here and there Mm. throughout the day. Absolutely. Sure,
0: yeah. Um, I I went from a, a, you know, decent-sized city to a very small suburb community when I, when I made my switch and I was just speaking to a buddy of mine the other night and he's like, Oh man, there's no way that you guys could be as busy as us. And I'm like, actually we do get quite busy where we're holding, you know, multiple calls and we don't have units because it's a staffing issue. Like if we had enough units, then it'd be no problem. We'll just send, we'll clear the screen. No problem. But it's such a staffing issue. And, and you think about how many thousands people and, and, you know, I'm thinking of Chicago now, how to, kind of balance the amount of people you serve versus the number of officers you have to send it's, I mean, you're, you're never going to catch up. It's just, it's too much, you know? And when you have the political issues that you were talking about before recruitment and retention is just so difficult nowadays it's, you know, people message me on my Instagram all the time. Hey man, I'm, I'm going to the police Academy. And my, my initial responses, and I try not to send that to you is why, <laughs> like why, why, why do you want to do that? Um, but it's, it's great to see that there are people that still want to get out there and get after it. Um, I just, I don't see it anymore, but you know, I've it's like that, that farmer's commercial where, you know, farmer's insurance, I know, I see a thing or two, I know a thing or two, like, i have i have my reasons why but to see someone who's still bright-eyed bushy tail and i want to get after it, good for you and i'm not i'm not out here to demoralize you but it's tough it is very tough and you've seen it on different sides of it um and i did want to ask why what made you uh leave la and what also made you leave the road so, you know, I never wanted to actually go to Los Angeles. I never wanted to leave Chicago. But
1: right when I was in the hiring process here in Chicago with the police department for a police officer position, um, I was told, boom, you passed everything. And two weeks from now, you start the academy. And right when I got that letter, I was super excited. But we got a new chief of police um, that we call them superintendents here.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the very first day that he took office during that two week period um he said he he put a, basically he froze the hiring process for everyone he said um, th- there's some uh, problems with the recruiting here in Chicago. we want to make it more minorities, even though I am a minority uh, mm-hmm. oriented um, so they froze everything and he said uh, they wanted more mature candidates, and so he upped the age limit to twenty five years old i was twenty three at the time." So, of course, me wanting to do this all my life, I was I was highly upset. And I said, you know what? Absolutely not. So I actually um, applied for NYPD and I applied for LAPD. So I flew to both cities, got off the plane at LaGuardia Airport in New York and immediately turned back around. Didn't like it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, (laughs) at all. And I went to L.A. and it was a very professional uh, recruitment process. I was like, wow, totally blown away. Um, they have mentors par- uh, paired with you. They had an uh, expedited process for out-of-state candidates. So I did it, and I-, I got accepted right away. It was great. Flew out there, became an officer. wound up loving it. But I always wanted to come back to Chicago. You know, it was not my, uh, you know, not my uh, intentions to stay. You know, anywhere else because all my family's back here. So mm-hmm. um, a great department. Um, towards the time of what twenty. 20- 2016, 2017, uh, things started to change in terms of just uh, a different um, chief of police coming in and um, just doing different things that I didn't agree with and I didn't like. And I got out early. I said, this is not cool. You know, um, it started to do kind of what Chicago's doing now, you know. So yeah. um, I wanted to take a position here. I realized I have police, fire, and EMS uh, experience, and it was a perfect role for me to just jump into emergency management where I could be uh, facilitating a lot of the emergencies no mm-hmm. matter what it be. You know? So that's kind of where um, and how I got here now. I would absolutely love to be back in the field, but during this time, absolutely not uh, in terms of yeah, a police officer. Yeah. Um, and the best one I love was, was fire, of course. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so, sure. Best part-time job know, in the world. Um, yeah, it yeah. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I absolutely understand. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the craziness. I know I didn't. I'll, I'll be flat out. I was totally ignorant to what goes into dispatching and being a call taker and doing things like that. And when I when I changed seats, it was it was an eye opener. I I mean, I remember being on the road and, and calling into dispatch over the radio and saying, Hey, I need this. And it just happened. It was like, wow, they got the magic button. They just press it in and it happens. And then you're sitting in the room and you actually see how it happens. Like, Whoa, it's like, the, the analogy that I came up with was, you know, the game Diner Dash is from like a couple years ago, like the phone game where you just like you're you're working in the diner and you got all these tables coming in. You got to manage orders and you got to go back and yeah. you got to make sure everybody's satisfied. That's dispatching like at, at it's nuts and bolts. I mean, you know, you always got to check on what officers what officers are going on over here. What calls are coming in? What's you know, does this guy need a status check? Is it it's absolutely crazy? And it just doesn't stop like you may where i work now yeah there's a few lull periods but it just keeps popping up and you know i I can't even imagine how it is uh where you are just the other day we uh we actually had to call up to chicago for um a next of kin notification for somebody who had died and it i don't i don't know what precinct we call or what district we call or whatever but it was the culture was so different um, you know, when they were explaining like, oh, well, they'll get to it when they get to it, but it's going to be a while. And, uh, sure enough, it it took quite some time to get that, uh, that message across. It's just crazy.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What, what would you say for someone that doesn't understand dispatching or someone who may be ignorant? Like I was just a few months ago, what would you say to someone to kind of un- help them understand, uh, what you do? Uh,
1: well, You know, like I like to say, which is so important why I said I'm running for state representative to make dispatchers and call takers first responders. Because these are individuals who are very special, and they are the very first of first responders to Mm -hmm. even get you the help that's needed. Without these uh, call takers or dispatchers of you calling 911, there will be no police coming to you. There will be no firefighters coming to you. There will be no paramedics coming to you, period. You know, unless you see them driving down the street, that's the only way, you know. Right. So, When there is an emergency, you know, what do we do? We're taught at a very young age to call 911. That person picking up that phone, they can't see you. They don't know where you're located. So they are um, trained uh, very well to ask you um, anything and everything. You know, they're trying to get the story, the outline. They're trying to pinpoint themselves right there in the situation. And as you're telling them uh, these answers to their questions, um, they're already – Uh, sending those, 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 that, that bit of information over to police or firefighters or ambulances, you know, don't think that they're just uh, holding you up on the line and not getting you help. Sometimes those details are already going to personnel that's already Mm -hmm, driving mm -hmm. to you, you know? So it's very, very important that the, the the position of a call taker to just listen, you know, we know and understand that you're going through a very traumatic uh, situation. uh, And we, we do this as soon as, as soon as you hang up, another one just pops in our ear. We can't just go and take a break or whatever. It just mm-hmm. keeps coming back and forth, nonstop, nonstop, which once again is why we need mental health uh, uh, awareness and, and support for these call takers. Because it's nonstop for eight-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts, 16-hour shifts. This is nonstop of taking your calls. And that's okay because that's what we took an oath to do but just listen to the questions. We'll get, you know, um, yeah, give us the good answers and give us descriptions of whatever's going on or whatever, and, and the call takers will get that information to a dispatcher. And now a dispatcher is the one who gets that information from a call taker, and he or she is tasked with dispatching uh, that information to a police unit, to a fire uh, company, to an ambulance company. And we're the ones telling them where to go, how to get there, this is what's going on, step it up, speed it up, whatever. You know, so um, we're the ones doing that to get the help to you. And a lot of times, you know, for the fire side of things, they're there within a matter of sometimes two to three minutes from you calling, you know, police, the same thing. But like I said, we have got to support our our law enforcement a little bit more, a lot more, actually, uh, because. We can't defund police officers. We need reforming. And and, and I agree with that. Many officers out there who are great, they don't like the bad officers either. You know, we don't want them here. So we need reforming. And most of us agree with that. But defunding police basically means when you call and you need police because you're getting beat or you see someone getting raped or your child is, uh, this is going on with your child or domestics or whatever. Well, guess what? You'll be in that backlog I was telling you about. You know, we're not going to have anyone coming out to you maybe eight hours later. That's what's going on here in Chicago. And so this is why it's important what we have to back all first responders, police, fire, EMS, and recognize that call takers and dispatchers are equally as important as all of them because without these two positions, in some areas they have one position where they do all of them, call taking and dispatching, you know, for police, fire, and EMS, which is like eight times even worse, you know. They need to have mental services for them. They need to have personal days that they can take and say, you know, I, it's, I'm i just not feeling it today. You know, they need those same things that other legit first responders are getting. And that's what I'm fighting for here in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, because it's so important.
0: You're, You're absolutely right. What you say about the dispatchers and they need the mental health services. And I know down here, uh, my agency recognizes dispatchers as first responders, but the state doesn't. And there's a, a very large push for it because it also, um, you don't get the same health benefits. You don't get the same retirement benefits if you're not labeled a first responder. And there's something to be said about here and not seeing the worst of people's days. And, you know, you hear I, the first 911 call I took when I was in training was a guy with a gun in his mouth. I mean, talk about and you can't there's one thing to be the first responder out there and trying to coax him to like calm down. And it's the other one to talk to him on the phone. You literally don't know what that outcome is going to be. And that, that plays on your mind. And imagine hearing that on and on and on again, in Florida state retirement's 30 years. So just imagine 30 years of hearing stuff like that, or, and this is what I want to transition into hearing it come from your officers. So I understand you have a, you got to run momentarily and I just want to talk about what happened that, that fateful night in August, the reason, uh, the world knows your name and everything. Um, I've, I've re-listened to the recording many times this week as, uh, to, to prep for our conversation today. Can you kind of go through what happened that night in August, uh, with Ella French and just I mean your your performance, the way you handled your job, the way you handled the radio, it's what everybody can dream their dispatcher will be like. Where was your mind when that call came out, and and how 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 did you manage to manage that call so amazingly? What was how what was it? Well, um,
1: uh, it's it's tough talking about that, but it's it's where was I at? I was out there with those guys, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's how I dispatch, you know, I, I always promised myself, you know, anytime I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it the best that I can do. And that's what I told you, I, I bounced from fire to EMS and police, uh, because I never, I always looked at dispatchers, man, when I was out there in all three of those uh, professions, I'm like, I could never, and would never mm-hmm. do that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, God yeah. had other, <laughs> other options for me. And, you know, I always roll with what he tells me to do. And, you know, I, I stepped out of protocol that day. You know, we don't set up perimeters. We don't mm. uh, tell officers to do anything medical-wise to anyone. We don't tell them, don't go here, go to this place, go to this hospital instead, you know. But being out there as a police officer and, and, and uh firefighter and, 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 and EMT, when you're on an ambulance and you just have you and your partner, you know. And same thing with police. You know, you just have you and your partner. You guys rely on each other, you know. And that's what I did that day, you know. I just – all of my training has kicked in from – just my previous experience of being out there and understanding what the heck was going on. And I know uh, officers can get very narrow minded in situations because I was one of them, you know, so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, I didn't have time to sit back and wait for, you know, uh, incident commander, Sergeant, Lieutenant, or captain to get on that scene and tell me, okay, let's do this and this. No, those officers did what they were supposed to do just like uh, every other Chicago police officer is doing and throughout the country, they're out there uh, doing their job and they, whether it was a traffic stop, or whatever took place, um, you you know, you had uh, several hoodlums inside of a vehicle and they shot, Uh, the officers, you know, two of them. So um, the moment the third officer, by the grace of God, it was a third officer in that car today, and that never happens. His partner didn't come in, and so they threw him in the car, and he was the one that called out the 10-1 with me. God, you know, we're talking about, you know, single solo people earlier in this segment of how we just want to have partners now. This was two partners with an additional one. So imagine if that third guy wasn't there. Mm -hmm. No one, they would have called. both of them were shot in the head. Multiple mm-hmm. times. So they we will have to rely on a citizen call in. There's two down officers. The car would have been gone. No suspects caught. But this officer did a great job. He called it in to me. He gave a good location, gave a description, and... I was looking at my map and I saw two cars flying okay, to the scene and they were going to pull up to those officers. So I told them, handle those officers. I don't have to tell the police to do anything. They know exactly what the heck they're doing when it comes to doing what they do best and that's taking care of each other. So yeah. um, the moment I knew they were pulling up to the officers that were shot and down and I called the 10-1 which is the officer needs help. Now I'm getting hundreds of cars flying from every district up that way. Um, I told them Let's not get narrow minded and basically let's set this perimeter up now and let's catch these guys. And that's what Mm -hmm. they did. Within Mm -hmm. a minute and 20 something seconds, they caught both of these um, demons and uh, we got them into custody. And after that, you know, we got them to the hospital, set up a route. Um, They were taking two down officers and, I told him to do CPR on, on one of the officers. You know, she was unconscious. Uh, God rest her soul, Miss Ella French. Um, and then also they were taking the other officer who was shot, I believe, three or four times, you know, in the head mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. Carlos Yanez. And uh, they were going to take him to uh, a regular medical facility. It was a little closer, but I said, no, take him to a trauma facility because... He could have wound up passing out or passing away there, you know, because yeah. they don't have, you know, they they can't handle traumas like that, you know. So right. they were able to get them to two good hospitals, to to the one that the hospital was a trauma center. Unfortunately, we lost Ella. That that was very traumatic, and it, mm-hmm. you know, one thing I promised her, you know, I'm I'm not the most religious guy, but I'm very faithful, and I know her mother and her family now, and her partners I've spoken to. I promised her I was your voice on that radio, you know, uh, for four years. Okay, And I've spoken mm-hmm. to her uh, before this. I never met her physically, but I've always spoken to her. And we write each other messages, which is typically how police and fire sure. do. You know, we know yeah, always yeah. on the street. It's, it's just a really interesting position. But um, I promised her, I was your voice that day on the radio. And I'm damn sure going to be the voice for the rest of your brothers and sisters out there now, whether that's um, being in a position in Chicago or Illinois. But I am going to stand up and continue doing what you did out there. And I was taking care of public safety and, yeah. and people that deserve it in the citizens. So, you know, that was a very traumatic day Mm. uh, for all of us here. Um, But guess what? You know, we've, we've, it's, it's not going to stop. You know, look look at New York and look at all of these other States and suburbs and um, they're killing officers like nothing. And, uh, we just have to change as a country. We have got to change. This is not just Chicago or Illinois. This is everywhere, including where you're at. You know, this is yep, got to right. the narrative, but it starts with each of us. You know, we got to do what we can do. And this is why I'm kind of stepping out there and running for office here uh, in, in in Illinois. So that's what yeah. I'm doing. That's what I'm starting to do. And that's kind of what, you know, I, if I continue this faction, you know, you're they don't offer anything mentally here, and it's hard to do that every single day. It's hard when you go through uh, different situations like what I experienced. So, the way that gets me through it mentally is by leading others to do for others. I love serving and protecting and helping others. So, if I'm able to make a difference, um, it, it heals me. It heals me mentally and physically. So. Um, I think this is the route that I'm going to be taking, and I just really appreciate, you know, uh, as hard as it is hearing this, I appreciate you bringing it up because um, she deserves it, and every other officer that's taken from us, they deserve to have their names out there. And her name was Ella Mm -hmm. French, and I love her, and I miss her, and um, we're going to continue to fight for her.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you for sharing that. I know it was difficult, and I really appreciate it. Everything you did that night is, like I said, textbook. I was... Just a few weeks, actually, um, probably like five weeks prior, I was in the exact same situation. Um, my buddy called out on a on a on a suspicious vehicle. And next thing you know, uh, his buddies got to him and he was an officer down and I just ran to him. I got in my car and just and booked it. Um, and yeah, the, the voice on the other side of the radio was, you know, it, so important. So I appreciate yeah. what you have done, what you did yeah. and what you will continue to do. Um, and, every, and let me just,
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no. I was going to say that, you know, everyone should, everybody sitting in your position should aim to do what you did that night because it was absolutely amazing.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, you know, let me just say, it's so funny how um, people have given me accolades. and say, good job, you know, whatever. It's my job, whatever. But, what you're stating, stating right now to me uh, of how great that was, um, my job, and this is what has pushed me over the edge to be that vocal person and, and, and just go against everything and step out to run for office now. This is why right here, the very next day I came in to do my job right after this situation took place, my job walked up to me with a piece of paper of seven write-ups. They wrote me up for seven mm. different things that I did wrong in that call. They yeah. said you weren't supposed to set a perimeter up. You don't do that. You're not supposed to give medical advice and say, take off a vest and do CPR. You're not supposed to redirect anyone to a different hospital. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to say baby on a radio or you're not, you know, it was nonsense. I said, are you kidding me?
0: No.
1: Are you kidding me? We have an officer down right now and we have one that's fighting for his life. And by the way, he survived. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you guys are concerned about writing someone up within not even twenty four hours, you know I and I told myself something's gotta change right now with Keith. Something's gotta change right now because this is the life that we're living in, you mm-hmm. know, so if that doesn't tell you right there the sort of support that just public safety has right there, then I don't know what else will
0: yep you are you're absolutely right, Keith. Um, well, please continue to fight the fight. Hopefully everyone listening will go check you out and support you. I know I have many listeners in Chicago and Chicagoland. Uh, I I think Chicago is one of my biggest represented cities for listenership. So hopefully they do check you out. Um, I know you got to run. So I just want to get, can you tell us where to find you, your website one more time? So that way my listeners can go check it out and support you any way they can.
1: Yeah, guys, you know, uh, whether you're in Chicago, uh, in my district or not, I'm running for the Illinois State Representative for 19th District. And like I tell people, you don't have to live in my district for me to represent you. If you live in Illinois, I'm representing you, period, point blank. Um, I'm not afraid to get out there. No one owns me. I work for the people, and I darn sure work for city workers and public safety, um, everything. So go to www.keith.org. Thornton.org. Once again, it's Keith. It's K-E-I-T-H. My last name, you got to spell it the right way. It's T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N.org. And, I mean, I've got every quality that the person I'm running against doesn't have. She's not personable. She doesn't like getting out in the community to do anything. She only stands for her people that are uh, severely to the left. She doesn't like first responders. She doesn't back police, fire, or EMS. She doesn't like city workers. She does absolutely zero for the community. And I'm trying to go against this anti-police individual Um, and and I'm professional about it, but she has the money. I don't have the money. I'm just a regular Schmo dispatcher, you know, and you guys know how it is. You know, these professions don't pay you. Once again, it's a calling. We don't do this to get the money. We do this because it's a calling. So I don't have the funding, and that's where you guys come in. Wherever you're from, you know, back me up on this. Go to my website, www.keiththornton.org, and donate and share it. And let my story be heard, because I guarantee this is in Illinois right now. It's in Chicago right now. But this is not the end of Keith Thornton for standing up for first responders everywhere. And that includes dispatchers and call takers. I love you guys. I really appreciate you bringing me on the show, brother. Anytime you want me here to talk about whatever, I'm here. I'm real. And I'm one of you.
0: Absolutely. And we will, we will, de- I'm going to take you up on that for sure. Thank you so much for your time, Keith, everyone go check them out, support them any way you can. And, uh, and let's see what change we can bring to Chicago and then the country. Thanks a lot, Keith. We will talk to you soon. You got it. All right. Have a good one. Down one of the most poignant interviews I've had to date. Once again, Keith Thornton. Guys, there's really not a lot to say about what was missed, just basically, and he recapitulated it at the end. Keith is a man of the people of Chicago. So if you are local to the area, if you are in his district, definitely check him out. Definitely go vote, vote out his competition. And if you're not and you want to support a true first responder putting himself in the ring to try to make a change, his website will be attached to the podcast. It's going to be attached to my Instagram page and you can donate right on the site. You do not have to be local to donate to his cause. And that concludes today's episode, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you did... Let me know, rate, review, subscribe, let me know in the comments section, whatever you want to do, just let me know that you're out here, you're hearing my voice, and this is not for nothing. Also, this week we released the pre-order of the Goon's 20-ounce stainless steel tumbler, my partnership with Canuck Canada, so go check it out, it's on the merch store, 10-8-memes.ecwid.com and check it out, the pre-order, we're probably going to fill it through the month of March, And then we will uh, get them all manufactured and shipped out. So I will keep everybody that places an order in the loop. And if if you want a cup, you need to do the pre-order because I don't think we're going to be doing uh, direct sales. As in, you order it and I send it right out like I do my shirts and everything. We've got a lot of shirts coming. We've got drinkware coming. We've got a lot of stuff coming. So keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook, on the Instagram, and most importantly, the merch store next week guys we have kevin Hendricks of street cop training and he's going to tell us all about the dark web it's going to be great very exciting stuff very interesting stuff and i know you guys are going to get a kick out of it so that is it for us today folks also uh not that it really matters but yesterday february 23rd was uh, this guy right here, his 32nd birthday. So if you wish me a happy birthday, thank you. And if you didn't, go fuck yourself. Just kidding, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much to Keith Thornton for giving me his time as well. Everybody, take care of each other. Stay safe. We're going to wrap up the show with Satellite by Chicago's own Rising Ends. So we'll see you next week. Peace! You can't feel the
3: until you hold your hand over the flame You have to cross the line Just to remember where it lays You won't know you're worth now, son Until you take a hit And you won't find the beat Until you lose yourself in it sail off in the night we'll come clean and start over the rest of our lives when we're gone we'll stay gone